We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. Hello, and welcome to the Eurostep episode 13. The 60-win edition of the Eurostep as Milwaukee take two games over the weekend to get there, but they get win number 60 over the Atlanta Hawks. It's the first time since 1980-1981 since they've reached that mark and just the fifth time in franchise history. I'm Kane Pittman, and I'm joined, as always, by Ty Windish on a beautiful summer's day in Milwaukee. It's a beautiful summer's day in Oshkosh too, which is which is very fortunate. Uh, and it's a beautiful day for the Milwaukee Bucks, who have sixty wins for the first time since the I think eighty eighty one season. So a lot of beautiful things happening right now in Wisconsin, Kane. Yeah, it's uh, the sixty wins is such a. I mean, I guess it's a a real mark of of what we've probably come to expect that that real contenders get that sixty wins in the regular season. It probably lost a little bit of its luster just because of the fact that it, it felt like winning in, in Philadelphia the other night, clinching the number one seed, was the real mark that everyone wanted to get to and wanted to ensure that we got to with the playoffs coming so close. Uh, and then once they got there, it was kind of like, well, does 60 really matter? We've had so many injuries. Should we just be resting players? Uh, should we really be trying to get there? But uh, in the end, they did. And it was a, it was an interesting game against Atlanta yesterday. But before that, they did lose to the Nets on Saturday, one thirty three to one twenty eight. Giannis did not play in that game. Uh, the Milwaukee defense didn't play in that game either. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, they back it up on Sunday. Giannis returns and they beat the Hawks one fifteen one oh seven. 
in a game that was really only that close because Alex Len decided to have a career performance with 33 points and hit six threes. So uh, it, it took a little bit longer than probably the Bucks hoped, but they got there in the end. And as I mentioned before, they get to 60 wins for the first time since 1980, 1981, uh, quite a while before either of us were alive. I'm not sure if we've got any listeners that were around in that time, but it's uh, it's a cool thing. I, I think that... Um, you know, it wasn't. It didn't really matter, like whether they got the sixty wins, as I already said. But when you do think back to the start uh, for Giannis, just as only six years ago, where they did only win fifteen games, and that was the first thing he pointed to after the game. Uh, it's been a pretty crazy ride the last few years, and uh, I, I feel like the the I guess the aura around the Bucks has been getting more positive. Everyone's been feeling better about the franchise, but. There's been enough happenings for everyone to probably believe that they were never going to actually get here. So uh, a, a huge summer last year, obviously, when they changed the coach, they bring in some new players. The whole uh, franchise felt like it it uh, changed direction over this past offseason. And, and they come out now and have their best regular season in, in uh, a long, long, long time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an arbitrary thing, you know, like the triple-double. But I, I do think... Especially for the Bucks, who I think fans have been so beleaguered for so long. I don't know if I used that word right, but it's just it's such a nice morale boost to just see the sixty up there, first time since eighty eighty one. So you know, going on forty years now, which is crazy. Uh, so I, I think it's nice in that sense. And then the the other reason I think it's a positive is just I don't put too much stock into this kind of stuff, but. Losing your last three games against the Nets, Hawks, and then Thunder is not the way you really want to roll in the postseason. I mean, even like losing one of them doesn't seem that much better. But now, with it being the Hawks game that they win, you know the the worst you do is go on a one game losing streak in the playoffs. I'm sure we'll talk about that Thunder game. I've been I've been whistling for weeks that it's probably not going to be uh, a huge game for the Bucks in terms of effort and really trying to win as a franchise, but. It, it just you don't want to go in on a, a multi-game losing streak into the playoffs, especially if it if it keeps you at fifty nine on the season. I just think it, it probably wouldn't have mattered really, but it just would have kind of seen, put a, a not a complete damper, but a slight damper on things. It's kind of a, a a bummer of a way to end a regular season that's been so positive overall. Yeah, I can, I can sort of buy that, and and I think um, this has been a point that the bud has has really pushed and and to be honest all the guys have really pushed and I know we'll get into that Brooklyn game a little a little bit uh, in a second but um, you know that that was sort of the theme after that game because we, we've been asking the guys questions and, and particularly uh, Bud about uh, you know what are you going to do with these players down the stretch particularly after you, you do lock up that number one seed and losing doesn't really change anything except for perhaps you get in some bad habits or perhaps guys get a little bit lazy. And, and to me, uh, you know, I, I felt that was probably the case. It was probably a bit of a letdown on, on Saturday after they, they clinched that number one seed. Um, just back to the 60 wins, I, I think that <laughs> this is why I probably, I don't want to say don't care. I do. I think it's really cool. And, and again, I mentioned this on a, on a previous pod that, when you heard Marcus Johnson talking about how much it meant uh, to get 60 wins, then you understand that it does mean something. And Giannis said yesterday that it's going to be something that when his career is done, he'll tell his kids, oh, this regular season was an incredible uh, time in my life, an incredible time for, for the Milwaukee Bucks. But 
I couldn't help but but sort of think about that uh, and the way that he answered that question and and then to myself think, well, okay, uh, this has been a really uh, great ride and, and you win 60 games and have such a dominant regular season, but that's not going to matter in, on Sunday or, or Saturday or Sunday when game one of the playoffs come around because those 60 wins, they've got you to the position where you get to play at home, but it's in the playoffs where you're going to really do stuff that people remember. And if uh, things don't go well in the playoffs, then you are just going to be, uh, you know, the Atlanta Hawks from a few years ago or some of these other teams that have had great regular seasons and haven't been able to go on with that in the playoffs. So uh, I think with 60 wins, there does come some pressure also and, and some expectation. But uh, I, I think that the positive thing and the thing that everyone should feel good about is that uh, this Bucks team has never got far ahead of themselves. They were not... Uh, you know, celebrating or, or popping any uh, champagne in the locker room after the game yesterday. Uh, they remain focused with what's what's ahead and certainly understand that, uh, you know, things are about to get pretty serious over, over these hopefully next two months. Yo, I certainly agree. And I think, uh, honestly, just to put, I guess, another, I, I'm using the word damper a lot in this podcast. My Pro 36 usage of damper is wild <laughs> right now, but... To put a damper on all of this, I think the Bucks should be at 61 wins right now. And with your permission, Kane, I'd love to step on my soapbox here for a second. Yeah, please do. I, I think you're going to talk about Saturday, and uh, I'm interested to uh, to hear where you're going to go with this. Well, it's just – I mean, I, I kind of texted you about it slightly. I didn't really get into it. I, I was I was on Twitter a bit, you know, before I, you know, went out and did whatever else with my life I, I do on the weekends. It doesn't matter. It's not important. But – it, I just felt like it was a bad loss. And I know people were replying to this and it was probably like, I, I guess I got sort of ratioed. I got like six replies. I don't think anyone liked it or retweeted it. I think people thought I was, I was tripping hard, but I said, I, I just thought it was a bad loss. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't really like, doesn't play in anything. I guess it mattered for Brooklyn and they're, they're sort of hunt for a better playoff seed, but in the Bucks world, it doesn't matter at all. But I just thought that this was a game that, you know, Milwaukee hung around the whole time had a, a, lead, a lead or at least a tie game late. And it just felt like lapses in, in judgment and, and effort, you know, giving up offensive rebounds, not covering really good shooters in crucial moments or even sort of good shooters is what cost the Bucks the game. And I just think even if the game isn't really important or whatever, I just feel like regardless of anything else, that's a bad loss. It's not like D'Angelo Russell didn't just make like some crazy late game threes to, to steal it. Like if that happens, you just shrug your shoulders, you know, whatever. Or it's not like, you know, the Bucks had a great shooter open from three and it rims out. Again, that happens. Like, you can't – that's not a bad loss. That's just what happens. You can't expect guys to make every single shot. But this felt like factors very much in Milwaukee's control. And on the first, not the second night of a back-to-back, just seems like not the kind of things that you should slip up on in a game that I thought was very winnable for Milwaukee. Yeah. And, I, I th- again, I um, I thought – and you mentioned the uh, – the offensive glass, and uh, I think at the end, uh, the Nets had three um, offensive rebounds there in the last minute and a half, I think, that really uh, took the game away from the Bucs, and uh, it showed that you could see which team was trying to clinch a playoff berth and which one had just locked up the number one seed, and um, I agree. I, I thought that it was a poor performance from Milwaukee down the stretch, particularly defensively. Really, for the whole night defensively, it wasn't a great night. Uh, Brooklyn really were able to get whatever they wanted, dominated inside uh, early in the game. And yes, Giannis wasn't playing, but 
you could tell that the Bucks were probably just not really ready to to play uh, on Saturday. And if you thought that the Bucks would just brush this aside as a uh, as a game that didn't mean anything, uh, the way that uh, Mike Budenholzer walked into the press conference room, uh, the way he, he answered our questions, and uh, the way that he walked out, he was not happy. And there has not been too many times that we've seen Bud. Uh, yeah, you know, be visibly angry or visibly upset after the game. And, I, I mean, obviously, that's because they won most of their games. But um, he always talks about doing things the right way and, and playing with the right effort and uh, living up to the standards that they've set for themselves. And he was really angry and disappointed uh, with the fact that they did let themselves in that game. And it didn't matter to him that they had won 59 games and locked up the number one seed. He expected better. So, um I, I think, again, it's another reason why you know that this team has been so consistent and why this team, uh, you know, it, it, you should have confidence in this team moving into the playoffs because they set really, really high standards for themselves. And generally, when they let themselves down, they bounce back pretty quickly. And, and I thought that it was clearly a, a focus issue on Saturday against Brooklyn. And... You know, they put up 128 points, so it's not like they were having any trouble scoring the ball, but as we've seen over, particularly since the turn of the new year, uh, this team wins games based on their defense, and and the defense did not show up in any way on, on Saturday. No, definitely not. And, you know, just the basic box store stuff. I mean, Karis LeVert absolutely goes off 4-5 from 3, and Again, it's nothing on here jumps out too much. I mean, Jared Dudley had a really nice game. He certainly was hustling. <laughs> third, quarter, um, third quarter, Dudley. He had, uh, I think he had 10 points in the third. I don't know how uh, long it's been since Jared Dudley had a 10-point quarter. But, yeah, he, he, was, <laughs> he was certainly hitting a couple of those threes that we know that he does. And as you said, he was he was on the glass for offensive rebounds. So And, and a lot of them felt like big ones uh, in the context of what the game was. I mean, you look at his 23 minutes, the Nets were plus 19, so pretty hard to say that old old duds didn't have an impact but you know encouragingly only one starter and the positive plus minus from that game our guy sterling brown who again just continues to do so many things right or at least in a positive way i mean he didn't have his greatest game on sunday he's still plus 18 even though he was three for eight from the field i just feel like it's just and i'm saying he's our guy now i mean you've been beating the drum louder on the podcast but i'm i'm all the way in on this as well I'm just so encouraged by his play. It's one of my biggest takeaways, I feel like, from the last couple of weeks, just because there's so many things that we just know. Like, we know what Giannis is going to do. You know, we know largely what Middleton and Bledsoe are going to do. We know Brooke is going to fire away no matter what. But the other the question marks are, like, who else is going to play in the playoffs around those guys? Because series can come down to those role players, and we've seen good things from Sterling. Yeah, we certainly have, and I think that was the uh... – um, you know, a, a really big concern about uh, losing Malcolm Brogdon and how consistent he's been and what he's brought in terms of, uh, again, consistent scoring, uh, defense, uh, ability to sort of pass the ball, distribute a little bit. I, I thought that, um, yeah, again, and, and as you said, we have spoke about him a lot, but uh, he's doing a lot of sort of the things that Malcolm does. And, and again, they're probably not you know up to the level of Brogdon who's been doing it for multiple seasons now, but... Sterling brings energy, and that's something that, you know, from that fifth starter uh, is extremely valuable. A guy that is happy to move off the ball, a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands, a guy that will run in transition, defend, uh, you know, the full court. So, yeah, I I don't think that 
there's too many more positive things you could say about Sterling in the way that he stepped into the role. Uh, sixth game in a row that he scored in double digits yesterday uh, against the Hawks. So he's really, uh, as I said, providing that consistent offense. And I, I asked Bud about that uh, after the game, and I was sort of laughing as I, as I asked the question because uh, I was sort of looking at Bud, and I'm like, well, you hope that you're going to get some players back uh, you know, before the playoffs, but uh, if you do, uh, Sterling Brown now is really making uh, you make another really difficult decision about what to do with the rotation come playoff time because uh, he he's a guy that's been in and out and had some injuries early in the season, wasn't playing, uh, and then has been consistent for a while now. But uh, it's also been due to the fact that the Bucks have had so many injuries with uh, obviously Tony Snell. He hopefully comes back soon. Brogdon's going to come back at some point, so. Um, I I sort of asked that, and he sort of smiled as I was asking the question because I think he knows that this team's so deep, and there's so many decisions that are going to have to be made. And um, like it, it's an embarrassment of riches, really, for the Bucks. They know that they can slot so many different guys in and feel really comfortable. But he said something that was more, uh, I guess, um, more certain than I thought I was going to get from him. And he basically, uh, as a part of a longer quote, he said that uh, Sterling is definitely going to be playing come playoff time. So uh, while, you know, Brogdon isn't going to be around for the first round anyway, you might not feel that that's such a strong statement, but he doesn't normally say those things. He normally beats around the bush a little bit, says, oh, everyone's going to be valuable. We'll see what happens on the night. But the fact that he was certain in saying that Sterling is going to play during the playoffs, um, I think is a good sign for where Sterling has been able to build uh, the trust with the players and the coaching staff, and they really uh, trust this guy to, to, to play in, in big moments. I agree 100%, and it it's kind of reminds I feel like we've talked about the two young guys a bit, you know, the Sterling and this DJ Wilson, and I think I've come now to completely flip-flop my DJ Wilson versus Ersan Ilyasova minute stance, which is wild to me like I'm still such a big DJ fan as it goes long term but I think I've just seen more sort of ebbs and flows in his game it's it's not always the most consistent whereas outside of that one stretch of poor play Ursan has just been consistent in taking his charges doing his little one-handed tips making some pretty clutch time three-pointers in my opinion and just the way Bud loves veterans, it just feels to me that we're going to see some Ersan, even with Miritich back. I, where, where do you come in on the sort of reserve bigs besides Miritich discussion? Yeah, it, uh, I sort of agree. And I know that this is going to be something that um, is probably going to frustrate Bucks fans because, uh, you know, as we've said, DJ has come in and just become this. Uh, I mean, really, a cult figure amongst Buck fans. Uh, they really, really, really love this guy. And so do I. I think that he brings a lot, particularly defensively. I, I think uh, the offense is where it's a little more inconsistent for him. The shot, um, he, he doesn't have a shot that I have real confidence in when he shoots it that it's going to go in. Uh, yesterday, he had, a, he had a nice day shooting the ball. Hits two of three uh, from three, both uh, from the corner in front of the Bucks bench. And that's great when you get days like that from DJ where he's hitting his shots and he really, really sort of elevates himself into that 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 real sort of a guy that could be a genuine sixth man. But uh, I do think that the consistency of Ersan 
is something that Bud's going to lean on. The problem is if Ersan has a bad day, then it's going to lead to criticism for playing Ersan because he's Bud's guy or, or whatever it may be. But I agree. Uh, Ersan really, really, after after having that terrible stretch where he came back from the, the first broken nose, he's got another broken nose now, but <laughs> the first broken nose where he was wearing the mask, um, I mean, he just could not shoot the ball. He couldn't hit anything. Uh, he looked slow. And I'm not sure whether that had to do with the fact that he was just get, trying to get used to wearing that mask again, whether that was throwing him off. But since he did find that rhythm, uh, he's been in a really, really nice stretch now for probably, it feels like, maybe five or six weeks. I'd have to go back and look at the splits. But, yeah, I think Ersan's a guy that's definitely going to be playing. Um, uh, Miritic is again, and, and we haven't got any real solid updates on Miritic, but uh, the only thing that we know and the only thing we can go off is that uh, we haven't seen any change to the plan that they thought that he was going to come back uh, for the playoffs. So I, that's still probably expectation until we hear anything different. Uh, obviously, it makes things difficult to to just throw a guy potentially back in in game one in a key rotation place when he hasn't played for a few weeks, regardless of the fact that it was just a, a, he's off uh, thumb. He, he's sort of out of rhythm a little bit there. Um, so there's going to be some interesting choices and perhaps DJ... Uh, continues to play while while Miritic sort of gets himself reacquainted in the in the rotation. But uh, again, as I said before, it's an embarrassment that Rich has so many guys that on pretty much any other given playoff team would be playing a major role are going to be really battling for, for minutes. Absolutely. So just on the injury thing, I don't know, did you hear anything about John Horst's appearance on SiriusXM's NBA radio this morning? I did not. So this is coming from Buck's Reddit r slash mke bucks i think we have some friends over there so shout out to to bucks reddit uh the euro step at least half of the euro step is definitely a reader i don't kane doesn't seem like he goes that many places besides twitter because he has a life but i go on <laughs> bucks reddit um so this is injury updates direct from john horse on nba radio 8 april 2019 from Hoptimus prime 86 this is the quotes on on brogdon a really great chance to have him back in the second round on snell and miritich Wednesday's game, and if not then, the first or second game of the playoffs. And then Pau Gasol taking things day by day. It's a longer-term recovery, and hopefully have him ready for games. We need him for late in the playoffs. So that is what John Horst said, according to Reddit, earlier this morning with uh, Frank Asola. Yeah, that, that would make sense. I, uh, so Miritich, uh, it's been a little less clear in terms of timeline, or there's been a little, probably just less said about Miritich um, for Tony Snell. There was a question yesterday uh, pre-game in Atlanta, and Bud sort of hinted that 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 was going to be the case. So he was getting close to to playing. Um, He certainly, when you see him moving around and uh, doing some stuff, he he looks good. He looks great. It was was a, uh, it was a really serious ankle sprain. I, I think I said on the previous pod, but he was, I mean, that was seriously swollen that ankle. So that's good that he has been able to um, sort of recover so quickly. And Bud actually pointed to the fact that the Buck, because the Bucks had sewn up the number one seed, that they didn't feel any urgency to bring him back. So that gives you a little bit of an insight that perhaps if the Bucks were still battling for position, Tony Snell would have already been playing by now. Uh, but they've taken an opportunity to get him some more rest. So that's, I didn't hear those updates from. Uh, Horst, but yeah, that's that's it's sounding all positive and sounding like uh, there's been no hiccups uh, along the way for those guys, and the timelines are going to be what they were originally reported as. That's what we hope for, at least. Do you uh, do you want to go into this Atlanta game? I, I mean, the Alex I the Alex Len 
please sign me next season game, or he might actually have another year left. I might be wrong about that, but I don't have a lot uh, to go into the, to this game. My only real takeaways are the are the fact that uh, we saw Giannis again, don't uh, really dominate a game in in uh, small minutes, only twenty four minutes. Uh, and, and Bud spoke about the game before the game that he wasn't going to necessarily look to rest players, but just keep their minutes down. He did a really good job. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players that play over 20 minutes. He, he did a really good job of, of balancing them out. Bledsoe, Giannis, and Middleton only play 24, but uh, 30 points and nine rebounds in those 24 minutes for Giannis. Middleton has 21, a couple of really big threes uh, in the fourth quarter, and the Bucks hold off the Hawks. But outside of that, uh, it was a pretty ho-hum victory for the Bucks. They do get win number 60, but I don't know. Did you see anything uh, really that stood out to you in that one? Giannis being comfortable to still step into threes is nice. He was two for five from three-point range. Honestly, this was a game that the Hawks got pretty lucky with some variants. I mean, look at Bucks, who are normally very good at shooting. George Hill was one for five. We've seen him come on lately. This was his first sort of down game in a while. That said, he still had... Nine points, seven boards, and two assists in 21 minutes. Not like he did nothing, but not a great shooting night. But, I mean, look at the starters. Middleton, two for eight from three. Lopez, 0 for five. Bledsoe, 0 for five. Sterling Brown, 0 for one. That's pretty odd for the Bucks to be that sort of poor from distance. As a team, they shot 22% from three and still get the win. As you said, Giannis coming back late just to sort of cement things, which was nice. Um, I don't have a ton on it. It, it, was, it was good, I think, to see that. And I wonder if this is something we'll see more, you know, going forward in the in like the future regular seasons with Giannis and Bud. Hopefully, there's a lot of kind of these games where against worse teams you can get away with not playing Giannis a ton. The game is close, and then a couple minutes left in the fourth, you just kind of put him in and go, okay, go go finish this thing out. I mean, 25 minutes for him and Middleton, 24, 25 minutes depends on the box score for him and Middleton, like you said. But you know, they com- scored a combined 51 points in about 50 minutes, which is pretty damn good. My one question to you would be, do you have any insight either way on if Brooke Lopez wants to play all 82 games or not? Uh, he'll, he'll be playing. I I know that uh, we spoke or we asked the question. So um, it was at practice or maybe shoot around a week or so ago when you know Giannis was having some ankle uh, complaints and and there was the questions are really starting to come up about what are you going to do with these guys down the stretch? You're going to try and rest them. Obviously, at that point, uh, they're still chasing uh, that number one seed. But I asked Lopez about whether uh, you know he he gets frustrated whether the uh, like in playing the the reduced minutes and obviously he only plays 23 yesterday and he admitted he said oh yeah he goes it's always frustrating he goes no one wants to like sit on the bench you want to be out there playing more and I'm not used to playing as little as I have and being rested as much as I have but. Uh, I understand and we all understand as a group that when we take a step back and cool down a little bit that this is all for the benefit of the team in the playoffs and when you're hopefully playing in June, uh, you look back to a game against Atlanta on a, on a Sunday uh, afternoon or Sunday night and they're playing only 23 minutes instead of playing 35, you times that by 82 and you probably start to realize that you got a bit more uh, gas in the tank than you would have would have had otherwise. So. Um, I know for him to this point to get to 81 games, 
I don't think that there's any chance that he is not going to play. I know him being a competitor would be desperate to play. So, yeah, I think that out of all the guys, they could rest anyone. But Lopez, for mine, he's he's playing 100% against the Thunder. Has anyone on the team had more of a complete 180 on their image in the last year or two than Brooke Lopez? I mean, the thing on Lopez as a net was a stuck-to-the-ground, sort of ground-and-pound guy who played no defense and he's injury-prone. Now he's anchoring the best defense in the league, completely changed his offensive game as well, and he's about to play in all 82 games. And just to go into a little bit more your point on minutes, only 36 times has he played more than 30 minutes, zero times 40 or more minutes. 45 of his games this season, less than 30 minutes for for Brooke Lopez. So a lot of times out, he is not having to play especially a long minutes load, which obviously really matters over the course of a season. Yeah, and this has been the, the story with the Bucks uh, all season, really. And and this is, you know, again, uh, and they're not necessarily opinions that anyone needs to take note of, but uh, there's certainly been some a school of thought out there that the, that the Bucks are one of those teams that have tried too hard during the uh, regular season. Would you, not tried to. would you call it a herd mentality? Well, I... Again, I, I so this is a problem with this. I, I I tweeted some numbers. I tweeted some numbers out, and and a lot of people probably thought that it was just as a response to, uh, so, to that, someone, yeah, to that person. But uh, it wasn't just that. There, there is, you know, if you scroll through Twitter, and there's 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 a lot of people that believe that that's a that's a thing that's that's real, and that the Bucks have. Um, you know, burn a lot of energy during the regular season. But uh, I think for anyone that has been watching this team and anyone that, uh, I guess, understands how well Bud has uh, managed that, that rotation, then you would know that's that's just not true. I, I, I got the numbers and I, I tweeted them the other day. But um, Giannis is on pace. And this was before he missed. So he's missed another game. So this is going to be even more... Uh, so, but going back to a couple of games ago, Giannis was on pace to play 326 less minutes than last season. Chris Middleton was on pace to play 561 minutes less Ooh. than last season. And again, they've they've played even reduced minutes in these last games. Giannis has missed a game, so um, I mean, you're looking at probably 400 less minutes for for Giannis when a, when the regular season's done, and for Middleton, he's probably uh, close to 650 minutes less than last season heading into the playoffs. So. Uh, you know, really, when you look at that, the Bucks could potentially get to the to the second round of the conference finals before these two guys even play as many minutes as they did in last season's regular uh, during the regular season last year. So the guys are coming in fresh, and as long as they can stay healthy and uh, touch wood, then uh, you know they're going to be in a really, really, really good spot uh, to to attack these playoffs. I think it's basically LeBron's fault that people think regular seasons don't matter anymore. Because for so long, LeBron teams have... And really, I mean, like the Heat teams ran up a lot of wins, too. It's really just this recent Cavaliers stint with LeBron that, that obviously ended before this season. But, like, they knew they were the best team, and that it seems like they never really respected any of their challengers during this last run for him. And they, they could just sort of turn it on and win. But I feel like outside of that isolated thing, pretty often, you know, the best teams in the league end up with the most wins. Like... The Warriors were the second seed, like, what, once in this run? And the year before that, I think they won, like, 73. And they won 67 their first year, and they were the first overall seed. It's not like it's very common for teams to win a whole lot of games and then just be bad. I mean, 
those Hawks teams that people love to compare the Bucks to because they're lazy are a, 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 one of the few examples. But again, I mean, that team made the conference finals. They just weren't better than LeBron when their best players were Al Horford and Paul Millsap, which, I mean, not to be mean, but duh. It's just, it's yeah. a strange thing. I mean, like good teams win a lot of games. It's not the only indicator. It's not a perfectly accurate indicator, but even if, you know, the, you have to do it in the playoffs, I completely agree with you. As a predictor, it's a very good predictor if a team wins a whole lot of games. Like it, it does mean something. It's not meaningless. No. And uh, I, I think all the way back to early in the season, and it, it was probably before New Year, maybe around Christmas time, where the Bucks were winning a lot of games and they were really starting to go on that, uh, I guess, the, the dominant stretch that really pushed them ahead in the standings. But I said that when you watch the Bucks play, uh, they are doing the same things that the Warriors have done in the regular season um, the last four years. And it's not the LeBron style, as you said, where the star player is clearly coasting and uh, and and saving energy. And the Bucks haven't been doing that, but the Warriors have never done that either. But what the Warriors have done and what we've seen the Bucks do through this season is that their star players get the job done early in the game bust open a huge lead, and then you look at the box score at the end of the game and the Bucks have won by 15 points and none of the starters have played more than 30 minutes. I, that's, that's exactly what the Warriors have done for the last four seasons. And, we'll, and you know, we're going to see what happens in the playoffs. And that's not me saying that they're going to they're cruise through and only lose one game and win the championship in the playoffs. It's not what I'm saying. But based on the regular season, this Bucks team has been more like the Warriors in terms of dominance and being able to play their stars and rest their stars than the LeBron model uh, which was just one sort of force of nature, understanding that he can be, uh, you know, he can relax through the regular season's first four or five months and then say, okay, well, now it's time to, time to get serious. So the Bucks have been a little bit different. Uh, their stars have got the job done. And now they find themselves going into the playoffs with home court throughout after one of the more dominant regular seasons we've seen in, in, in recent history with, with, you know, the Warriors and teams like that. I mean, the, the last thing on this, too, that I'll say is, I mean, like, LeBron is old or was old during those Cavs. It's not, I mean, he still played like he was young, but, I mean, it's just, like, a 24-year-old Giannis is a lot different than a, you know, 30, however old LeBron. I mean, he'd been through so many minutes already. When LeBron was young with the Cavs, you know, when LeBron was in LeBron's age 24 season, the Cavs went 66 and 16. So, it's not like it's not even just like I'm not trying to say LeBron doesn't care about regular seasons or something stupid like that. He's very smart for doing what he did, but you know, if Giannis was, you know, thirty years old and had that many miles, I would it would make a lot of sense and knew how to win, like LeBron does, and especially in the East. It would make sense to do that too. It's just such a different scenario just to say winning doesn't matter, I think is is dumb. And I, I just think it's you know, it's just stressful to to put that on the bucks. You know, life can be stressful. But getting life insurance shouldn't be, and that's why this ethos came. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, which is a lot of money. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing that you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote 
and submit your complete application in mere minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com. One more time for my A1, day one ethos fans, getethos.com. It's superb, honestly. Again, (laughs) flawless. I I don't even even know what to say at the the end of these ad reads anymore. It's just, uh, it's a thing of beauty, but... I mean, we'll see if I can hold up in the playoffs. I'm really taking my regular season ad reads too seriously. And, you know, I, I think I might just be a try-hard podcast ad read guy. So I guess we'll see. I'm, I'm not sold on myself. Well, you know, the playoffs are when the ad reads really, uh, you know, you need to be at your best. So let's hope that you're, uh, you're up to the, to the challenge. But I think, I really think we've covered the, the Nets and Horse games as much as perhaps anyone has uh, because, you know, it was it's the end of the regular season. We really want to move on to, to bigger and better things. But uh, I guess for the Bucks and, and for, for the listeners, something to, to look out for over the next couple of games. And I'm sure you'll all be watching the Bucks game on uh, Wednesday night against the Thunder. But there's some other teams that we need to watch uh, in, in the um, run to the playoffs. And uh, those teams would be... Currently in eighth spot, which obviously is either the Bucks are going to play in the playoffs or the Detroit Pistons. Um, and there's two other teams that they can face right now, the Orlando Magic and the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Miami Heat, I think, are a 1% chance. You can pretty much scrub the Miami Heat from the equation. Uh, so the most likely scenario is that the Bucks will be playing the Pistons. It could be the Magic uh, or it could be the Hornets. So there's a couple of games there to look at over the over the next uh, couple of nights. Bearing in mind, we discussed this uh, just before the podcast, and I was texting Matt Velasquez, and he uh, was very helpful to inform us with some information. And there was a little bit of panic first from from Matt because he'd already written a story about this, and then I made him question all his work. So you know, he was. <laughs> a little bit stressed about the text that I sent him, but if the Nets win their last game, which uh, that game is on, going to be on Wednesday night, so if the Nets win that game, they'll uh, lock in the sixth seed. If they lose, then we have a scenario where there could be a Brooklyn-Orlando-Pistons three-way tie, in which this is what we were discussing due to the tiebreakers. The Pistons would be the eighth seed. So... I think when I, when you look at the projections, the last projection I saw that the Pistons were about a fifty percent chance to to face the Bucks, which of course would reunite us with playoff thon uh, at five <laughs> on the weekend. So that would be you know very nice for me to be able to catch up with my old friend. But uh, we will be hoping that he doesn't destroy the Bucks like he has the Raptors and the Celtics over the last couple of seasons. So. Uh, Again, we've sort of touched on this uh, the last sort of few podcasts, but I think you want to avoid Orlando. But where are you at with this? Orlando, Detroit, Charlotte. Is there any team that you want? Is there any team that you don't want? I don't want Orlando, and I I don't care too much. I think that's about where you're at as well, travel considerations aside. Um, Orlando's been shockingly competent, especially defensively since the All-Star break, and I mean, I don't think they would beat the Bucs. I mean, let's not get carried away. Vucevic is good, but it would be, I think, tough for him against a team with as much spacing as Milwaukee has and as good of a – as big and bulky and good of a defender as Lopez is. I think that would help too against uh, uh, Vucevic, who is having a career year and is going to get paid a whole lot this summer. Shout out to him. But 
they've just been really good. I mean, uh, Steve Clifford, just a very strong defensive coach, and he's done that there. And they're a very disciplined team as well. Uh, the Markel Fultz era is off to a great start for them, although he doesn't play. Uh, Jonathan Isaac has come around a lot. He hits threes a bit now, and that's opened up a lot for them. Fournier has been playing better, I believe. It's not really a, a huge concern. They, they do what I'd want the least. You know, I've seen people out there saying that they want to avoid the Pistons because Blake is a star. And I've been reading Pistons Twitter because I have some good friends on Pistons Twitter. Shout out to them. They're very – kind of reminds me of Bucks Twitter before Giannis became Giannis. They're very beat down. <laughs> they're very – they're not very excited about their team ever. I mean, they take, like, joy in watching them, but they're not like, oh, the Pistons are going to win the title or something. And apparently Blake is having, like, just constant knee pain right now. And I've, I've, I saw one. I'm trying to think it was my guy Lazarus, but I can't exactly remember who. Who I think it might have been him, but he's something like, you know, maybe they should just sit Blake through the playoffs if they do make it because of this knee thing and the future is more important than this season. So that kind of shows you where they're at. I don't think that would actually happen. but And, and the Bucks blew the doors off him four times this season, so it's not really a big deal. And then, I mean, Charlotte is – fine Kemba's good but they, they have so many non-NBA players who have to play minutes there that it's just not something that would worry me at all no it, it really I mean the Pistons given that they are uh, the most likely matchup they should not concern anyone the Bucks beat them four times by an average of 15 points this year the Pistons have not won uh, on the road against the Bucks since uh, when was the last time March 31 2017 so Ooh. They've lost uh, six straight in Milwaukee. Uh, if the, uh, they wouldn't present the Bucks with any fear at all. So, as I said, uh, the teams to keep an eye on over the last two nights of the regular season will be Brooklyn, uh, Detroit, and Charlotte. Orlando, sorry. Orlando, Detroit, and Charlotte. So, they're the teams to watch. Uh, it looks like it's probably going to be Detroit, but by the next time we record, which will be Thursday, uh, we will be able to give a full preview of, of Game 1. Uh, which is going to be in the weekend. We'll have a time for that one. We'll know when the game's going to be. So uh, once the Bucks get through that last game against the Thunder, which, you know, coincidentally for Oklahoma is going to mean something. Uh, they're in a real race. So it's going to be a strange, strange night on Wednesday night at Fiser. The Bucks, I expect they're going to play most of their guys, probably reduce uh, the minutes. But for Oklahoma City, right now they are only half a game ahead of the Spurs in seventh and the Clippers in eighth which, as we know, they would not want to drop to eighth and play the Warriors in the first round. So uh, the Thunder really, really need to win this game. So it's going to be really strange uh, to see uh, what happens in this game, how hard the Thunder are trying to win. So uh, just a real typical end of the regular season game. And in, in many ways, it's kind of funny because as uh, people that watch the Bucks and follow the, follow the Bucks, we know that it's normally Milwaukee that are fighting for playoff seeding at this point and sometimes trying to get into the eighth seed and hoping the results go their way so they can uh, get swept in the first round. So uh, <laughs> we are now in the luxurious position of knowing where we're going to be and we're waiting for these other teams down the bottom, the lowly bottom seeds in the east to uh, see who probably wants to lose to the Bucks in the first round. So it is... Uh, a good spot to be in for the Bucks, but um, I know you did tweet out today about some questions. I don't know if you want to still do that or if you want to push it out till Thursday and we can probably get some more. I don't know how you're feeling about that. Uh, I think we can squeeze them in quickly. We, we just got a couple this time. Pretty disappointed in 
the Eurostep listeners mailbag propensity <laughs> this time around. I hope you guys can do better next Everyone time. Everyone was outside doing good stuff because it was a good day today. They weren't you know on Twitter. What? They weren't like maniacs like us sitting on Twitter all day because they were outside <laughs> getting some vitamin D, which for them, good for them. I hope everyone's uh, enjoyed the day. You're way more passionate about good good weather days than anything else in this podcast, and I'm so here for that. Man, I was like, uh, I was out there today. I'm going straight back out there after we record this as well. Uh, it's what is it, six thirty p.m. right now? It's just it's just unbelievable outside, and it's going to snow tomorrow. So I'm going to make the most of this uh, last few hours. I've got a friend. Uh, there's going to be some grilling happening. There's probably going to be some beer. So that's where my nights are. Uh, I'm envious. Uh, one quick thing before the mailbag. Uh, just last thing on the Pistons being a desirable team. They've lost four straight games right now heading into their last two, which is a back-to-back. They've lost those games by nine points, 19 points, 13 points, and then 13 points with two of those losses coming to the Pacers, who have not been great lately, and one of the Thunder, who have been terrible since the break, and one of Charlotte. So an ice-cold team heading into their last two games. A team the Bucks have beat the doors off of. An absolute dream first-round opponent, I think. Yeah, okay. I, I would, uh, again, Pistons, um, I'm totally cool with it. Yeah. Uh, quickly, the mailbag, my guy Coolin at Colin Gaiman. Uh, we, we've touched on this a little. We, we, we've talked about how much we think he will, but the question is how much of a role should Sterling realistically have come playoff team time? Excuse me. Yeah, I think he's going to start in the first round. Uh, I, I think that you know, even with Tony Snow coming back in, my my belief and look, that could change. Maybe Bud wants to go with Tony. I'm not sure, but I, I, my feeling is that uh, he'll stick with the the hot hand at the moment, which we know that Bud does like to do. So my sense is that Sterling will probably start through that first round. Obviously, Brogdon, when he comes back at some point, is going to start. Uh, so um, that will change. But yeah, I, I think Sterling will start. I think if the Bucks are at full strength, I still think there's a role there for him. I think he would probably see a bit of a minutes hit. He's been playing sort of mid-20s, pushing 30s for the last few games, so that's not going to be where he's going to be at in the playoffs. We just know that uh, as a fact, but I think he would split some minutes with Tony. My sort of feeling through all this was that Pat uh, Connerton was going to be the guy that's going to see a minutes hit out of those sort of guards. And then obviously uh, Tim Frazier as well is, is another guy that I don't expect to play in the playoffs when that, that sort of rotation tightens up. So I, my feeling is that Sterling Brown is locked in, probably 10 to 15 minutes a game during the playoffs. Pat Connerton's going to uh, get bumped out and uh, same with Tim Frazier. But is that is that how – that seems logical to me, but is that how you would see it playing out? Yeah, I think the toughest thing for me is trying to see which of Sterling and Tony would get more minutes. I feel like it'll kind of be a split. Uh, they sort of do different things. I mean, we've seen Sterling take more of an active scoring role. Uh, that's something we don't really see from Tony a whole lot. I mean, he'll drive now and then, but we haven't seen Tony kind of attack as often as Sterling has the last few games. I think that's a valuable thing to have as sort of the catch-and-shoot guy when the defense is distracted because of Giannis and Chris, so... I think that alone is intriguing enough for him to play a bit. I think Tony will play. I think he's a, a trusted guy, but especially coming back from an injury, a uh, pretty severe ankle sprain, I think I think we'll see a mix of them. And I would agree. I, I think Pat C will get more of a sporadic role, and I'd be surprised to see much of Tim Frazier. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's, that, again, that seems like the logical thing. And, and as I said earlier in the podcast, there's going to be some tough t- decisions for, for Bud because Pat's played some really good minutes over the last, these last few weeks. But again, there's only, there's only so many 
minutes to go around, and uh, we know the starters are going to play a lot more than they have been in the last few games. Yeah, which I think is going to be so massively huge for the Bucks. I think teams are going to be a little surprised. But anyway, last question from Dan Schaefer at Dan R. Schaefer. Fellow UWL grad, Hill Titans. Actually, both of these questions from UWL grads, which is nice. Shout out Oshkosh. Dan says, what do you think the Bucks' chances are of winning the whole damn thing? Well, I like the way that Dan phrased this. And Dan wrote a really nice, uh, wrote a really nice uh, piece uh, that was on Twitter today. So... Dan is a great person, and everyone should. He's a good follow, bloke. Everyone should follow him. He's a great bloke, and read that Ooh. because I think it was a, it was a really good read. But uh, I think the Bucks are in a great position to win everything, and I again I felt more strongly about this as the season's gone on. I think they're the best team in the East. They've they've proven that they've beaten everyone on the way to this spot. As we spoke about, they've been able to you know they haven't. Uh, had to exert uh, obscene minutes from their stars. They've been able to rest guys. Uh, even you know post All Star break, that Giannis has missed a lot of games. Giannis has missed nine games now total for the season. Uh, there's been other guys here and there. They've faced some adversity with injuries, and nothing has been able to slow them down because uh, the system is in place. The system is rock solid. The system is one that should uh, see playoff success. And early in the season, there was some concern that. It was based purely on whether the Bucks can hit threes and spacing the floor for Giannis. But as the season's going on, that's really transitioned into the Bucks winning games based on their defense, which, as the old saying would say, that that's how you win playoff games with defense. So uh, I really, I, I'm feeling really, really optimistic, and and a lot of things can happen. And I've I've said before that between Boston, Philadelphia, and Toronto, I think any of the series between those teams is going at least six games. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a dogfight to get through the East, uh, but uh, I like the Bucks better than anyone. I, I mean, obviously, I've watched them closer than the other teams, but uh, they've just consistently done it since opening night, and they've put themselves in this position for a reason. They are not easy to beat at Fireserve. They, I mean, they just rarely lose at Fireserve. They don't lose back-to-back games. They only happen once in 82 games. They're the team to beat. And that's where the expectations are now. They are expected to get to the finals. Anything less than the finals would be disappointing. Uh, so that's where we're at, which is a ridiculous thing to say for those that have watched the Bucks for a long time. But that's 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 where we're at. We're heading into the playoffs and the Bucks are expected to be in the finals and probably playing Golden State. I'll, I'll put a number on it. Somewhere between 15 and 20%. Of winning, the, so that's, that's the title? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more than that. I like if it wasn't for Golden State, it'd be higher. Sure, but I yeah, I mean, I, I mean, numbers wise, that's hard to say. But I, I agree. Yeah, it is. I, I think I think they have a good chance getting through the East, but just compounding the odds of getting through the East, some talented teams like we've talked about, and then also beating the Warriors is why. But I think they have a better chance than that of just against the Warriors, but just combining everything. That's the number, probably around twenty ish percent. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I think the big thing is that, like I just said, the the, the expectation is that the Bucks are in the finals. So uh, that's evolved as the season's gone on in my head, and I, I think for everyone because you do question: is this just a hot streak? Is this gonna? Is there anything gonna happen? But to get through the whole season and get to this point, there's no question that the the Bucks, the team feels this way, uh, Bud feels this way, and the fans should feel this way. If this Bucks team does not make the NBA finals, then 
they've disappointed after the season they've had. And that's a lot of pressure to carry. And that's something that they're going to have to deal with through the playoffs when maybe they find themselves behind in a series. But that's the position they're in. Uh, you win 60 games, you want to go on to the finals. So that's, for mine, that's the benchmark now, which again is insane. I agree. And I think the nice thing about the pressure is this team's makeup, and it all starts with Giannis, is eminently prepared for it. And I don't think... If they lose, I don't think it'll be because of the pressure. I think that this team has those expectations for itself, regardless of any of the noise that we may make. Yeah, again, again, I I agree. And it's always a strange feeling to sort of, you know, have that much confidence or that much belief in this team. But, um, you know, this is a different Bucks team. It has been from night one. And it's exciting. And, and as I said, when we when we talk again on Thursday, we will we'll be done with 82 games. The Bucks are finishing with the best record in the NBA. They're about to head into the playoffs. And I was just walking by Fiserv, actually, and they've got the playoff. Uh, probably a lot of people have seen on Twitter they had the playoff, uh, the big sort of uh, banner out on Fiserv, and it's really exciting. It's, uh, it's we're, you know, after everything, and it feels like the season's going really quick. I feel like anyway, and... In some ways, that's kind of sad because it's been such a fun ride, but it's about to get really crazy, and uh, it's. I, I think everyone should be excited and everyone should be looking forward to it. So I think uh, we've probably touched on everything we need to. This, this may be a record for the longest pod, so we might get in trouble for this one, but uh, <laughs> the Bucks, one more game to go. They're going to play the Thunder on Wednesday night at Fiserv. We will be back on Thursday to... Recap whatever we need to talk about in that game. Uh, we will get into uh, definitely game one. Uh, we'll know when the team are playing, who they're playing, uh, what time it's going to be, and we'll be able to go into that in, in you know, really, really deep uh, into game one of the playoffs. So, Ty, thank you very much again. Hey, Kane, thank you. Thank everyone for listening, folks. Subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, and uh, we'll catch you all on Thursday.